I want to read from that reference point, reference that I've given you. Acts 6, and then we'll turn to 1 Timothy 3. And the topic of today will be deacons reconsidered. Acts 6, we are familiar with this text. In the early church, uh, it was not a perfect church, uh, even with the apostles. And this is what happened. Acts 6, 1, Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve, that is the, the apostles, twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Now we will turn to the first section. Last week we looked at the qualifications for the elders in plural. And now we turn to the second section that deals with deacons. Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued, or addicted to much wine, or fond of sordid gain but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife, and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. This may not be the most exciting topic for you, But for our church, this is the vitally important topic that we must consider. We have many people in this congregation coming from all kinds of backgrounds. So I am not speaking for everyone. But the fact is, many of us had different experiences in regard to the deacons. 
Some of you grew up in a healthy church who had multiple deacons who are qualified as the Bible has just explained for the churches. But for some of you, you grew up where you saw some of the disappointing uh, realities within the church. It is my assessment that in many, not all, but in many churches, deacons are understood as the most basic level of office in the church. That is the entry point in a church. So the office of deacons, they, it is easily given out as means to encourage people to stay and to get plugged in to that church through the ministries of that church. And many times I've seen that pastors encourage people to take the job. Uh, because every church needs more volunteers after all. So while it is difficult and it takes long time for a person to become an elder in a church, it is relatively easy to become a deacon. Today I have to say things that are necessary for our congregation in one Sunday sermon. So I am going to leave out a lot of things. Even the debates concerning all these things. I do not have time to deal with everything. But I as a Christian, not as a pastor, but I as a Christian, bemoan the fact that oftentimes the title of deacons are given out like candies on a Halloween night. No serious thoughts are given to it because there are no real consequences to it. When pastors fail, the church will suffer. When the elders fail, the church will suffer. But let me ask you, if deacons fail, what would happen? So not many people take this seriously. Both the church leaders who are giving these offices out and even by the people who are taking these, receiving these titles as well. But what happens when you treat the office of deacon in such a fashion? You cheapen the office that Christ has ordained for his church. It fosters disdain for the authority of Christ and the delegated authority of the church leadership in a local setting. In the end, it brings dishonor to Christ and discredits the testimony, testimony of the gospel. But in, at the end, there is overall weakening of the church of Jesus Christ at large. We as reformed congregation. We will gladly affirm five solas of the Reformation. The first sola will be always the sola scriptura. Even our confession starts with the definition of the scriptures. While we, not, it may not be our church, while we condemn medieval Catholic church for being founded upon man's tra tradition. 
we have to constantly check ourselves with the Word of God, whether we are following the tradition of man or the Word of God. So we turn to the Bible, which is the Word of God and is the final authority for faith and life. For some of you, this may be a simple review. I've known this for a long time. But as a pastor, I have to talk about this often uh, so that we may constantly remind ourselves of these truths and see us in reflection to that word. And if there's anything that we need to correct in our life and in our church life, then we have to do that. So let us begin. Let me begin by explaining the word deacons. As you have noticed, it is in plural. The word, probably you will know this Greek word, is diakonos. It is a noun referring primarily to someone who performs a service or ministry. Most frequently, the reference is not to a church appointment or church office per se. It occurs about 21 times, and English translations will use following words. Servants, ministers, deacons. But it all will have the same root word, diakonos, somewhere close to that. But in two places in in the New Testament, we see that word properly referring to a person or persons occupying a recognized position in a church, like we normally would call someone deacon. First place would be 1 Timothy 3, as you have seen today, verse 8 and verse 12, clearly referring to an office in a church. Deacons, likewise. Deacons must be in today's passage. And elsewhere, in Philippians 1, 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Let me read that verse to you. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Last week, overseers, bishops, elders uh, are used, I've I've explained, uh, synonymously in the New Testament. And following that, deacons, overseers and deacons in Philippians 1, 1, and in 1 Timothy 3. So very first conclusion that we could draw is that to borrow the language of our book of church order, The scriptures, that is the word of God, scriptures designate the office of deacon as distinct and perpetual in the church. Think for a second. This office of deacon originates from the word of God. But the word of God didn't come from heaven and just manual drop from heaven. It arises from the life of a church. And by God inspiring the apostles 
to deal with such situations, and it becomes to us the Word of God. It came to us as the Word of God. So I just simply wanted to make first point, that is the deacons, the office. Its origin is from God's perfect wisdom, from the counsel of God. Therefore, its origin is divine. Christ has given the office of deacon to the church of Christ for the glory of God. Now, I am not going to read 1 Timothy 3 again, but as you have seen from that passage that we have just read, it is mostly about the qualifications. In the New Testament, we do not have any other discussions on the deacons, the office of deacons. This is the only place that will explain what the deacons are to be in the New Testament. So we have to assume the recipients of the letter, 1 Timothy, Timothy and the church at Ephesus, they knew what the functions were. But if you read from the first chapter of 1 Timothy, what is the context? Context is, Apostle Paul had to go somewhere, Macedonia. So he left Timothy at Ephesus as interim pastor. And as a young minister, he has to deal with the church. And it is apparent to me and to all the Bible readers that the Ephesus church, Ephesian church, was strong because Apostle Paul stayed there for a long time, more than three years. But at the same time, that church had problems. They had false teachers in the leadership position, and, and this young man had to deal with that church. So 1 Timothy 3 is not a manual drop from heaven, and here it is, how to build a church. But dealing with, if you would, weakness of a church. So this is a corrective measure. So probably the recipients of this letter knew what the functions of the deacons were. But Apostle Paul, in his inspired mind, he will lay heavy emphasis on the characters, as you have seen, the elders and deacons as well. Because to correct them, it is not so much of a function level, function, functioning level, but the man's character has to be addressed. So let's keep that in mind. But as we have seen, what are the functions of uh, office of deacon? Traditionally, Deacons are to function in the church of Jesus Christ to show forth, the language was what? Ministry of mercy, compassion of Christ, depending on the tradition that you come from. Some traditions, deacons are just servants. They do everything in the church. But primarily, if you pick up any book these days on the deacons, they will all say deacons will function in some sense to show forth the compassion of Christ. Where did they get that idea? Is it from human tradition? Now, in the beginning, we read from Acts 6. And I know some of you who are more advanced level Christians. Probably some of you are thinking, you know, Sam, Acts 6 really is not about office of deacons. As always, there are debates on that. But let me 
uh, read a couple of quotations from theologians. Although the word diakonos, the Greek word for deacon, does not appear in Acts 6, the concept of an official body of servants who lovingly serve others does appear. In English translation, it is not apparent. But if you read in Greek, and if you're a Greek-speaking person reading this, already in Acts 6, in the daily serving of food, or to serve the tables are used, that they come from the same root word. So inclination to associate the church officers called diakonoi in 1 Timothy 3, with those whom the apostles appointed to serve the tables, basically the same word, in Acts 6 is quite natural. So no matter which way you would lean, the office title of deacon conveys the idea of practical care and service to others. And by the second century, church fathers will recognize what is found in Acts 6, those men, later they will be called the seven. And they are not what is deacon in a, in, in a modern sense. Some of them will go on and become evangelists. They'll preach the gospel. They will baptize people. So they are more than deacons. But by the second century, for example, Irenaeus, who lived from AD 130 to AD 200, he was the first writer to clearly identify the seven as deacons. So personally speaking, for me, where else people get the idea that deacons will function as the arm of a church to show forth the compassion of Christ other than book of Acts chapter 6. So I would like to associate at least as a paradigm for the office of deacons. That is my understanding. Now, I may not spend much time talking about every word in this passage. What I will do for the remainder of time will introduce or highlight certain words from this text that will help you have a high view of the office of deacons. That is my objective today. I cannot discuss everything. But at the end, by the grace of God, I want us to have a high view of this office. But let us see what the Bible says for the deacons. First word I want you to take notice is in verse 8, likewise. Likewise, So you will highlight or circle that word or in your mind, maybe. Since last week, Apostle Paul is writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 8, he will talk about deacons and its qualifications. But he says this word, deacons likewise. Likewise what? Where well, he talked about the qualifications of an elder, or overseer, or bishop. So as we immediately, what we could notice from verse 8, is that deacons are not lesser people. 
Likewise, tying back to that qualification that he just talked about for an elder, overseer, or bishop. And let me quote MacArthur. I'm quoting MacArthur not because I'm a fan, because I have his commentary. Okay, So MacArthur says on this verse, the standard for deacons is in no way inferior to that required of elders. Elders who lead and deacons who serve perform different functions, but the spiritual qualifications required for both are essentially identical. There is no drop-off in spiritual quality or maturity from overseers to deacons. The only difference is that overseers are able to teach. Chapter 3, verse 2. We shouldn't move too fast as you read these verses. Deacons, likewise, just like the elders, the qualifications of an elder that I've talked about, deacons, likewise, and he will explain what those qualifications would be, and they are essentially the same. Shorter, yes, but essentially the same. So deacons are not second class officers. They are not second tier officers. They are not the pool of potential candidates for future elders, though that may be that may be the case. The office of a deacon is not a stepping stone. They are not the trainees before the actual job is given. No, they are as qualified as an overseer. I want us to get that. Deacons are not the low quality people. Likewise, tying back to the elders, the leaders of a church, deacons must be qualified like them. Verse 9, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They may not be the official teachers in the church, but they must know the content of their faith. Simply put, they must be born-again Christians. They must be Bible-believing Christians. They must study the Bible. They, they should be able to understand and, and in some capacity teach the great truths of Christian doctrine. So first word was likewise. I want you to remember that. The second word, in this case, a verse that will help us have a high view of office of deacon is verse 10. I want you to highlight verse 10 multiple times, at least in your mind. This is the most important verse in in this chapter for the qualification for a deacon. Verse 10 After explaining verse 8 and 9, verse 10, these men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. They must be tested. That word is in imperative form, and it is in passive form. So let them be proven is the idea. 
They must be, because it's an imperative form. Because it's in passive form, it is not so much prove yourselves, but they must be proven. Someone else has to recognize them. It is not self-promotion. I think I'm qualified. I think I did enough. I think I could do a better job. None of those. Let them be proven. Also, I want to highlight within that verse two words that are very important. That is, first, then, those two words. Those two words are inspired, you see. You cannot bypass that. You cannot give a blind eye to that because this is what? This is Apostle Paul's words of advice. This is the word of God, right? Speaking through Paul. This is the mind of Christ for his church. And what did he say? It may not be apparent in English translation because first could go anywhere. You could say, first let these men be tested. Or like here, these men must also first be tested. But in Greek word, in that language, first goes to that, the back of that sentence. So first and then. First, then those two words are interconnected back to back. Also, let them be tested first, then so. How? In what steps? Those are not, they are not explained. God has left them to us in freedom. First, let them be tested. That's your job as a church. You need to test them. Then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. I don't know what tradition you are coming from, what kind of experience you had. I come from experiences where this was not talked about, where this verse was not at least discussed and be tried to be implemented in church's life. Idea was always give them the titles so that that could be plugged in. So that they would stay in a church. The idea that they must be, must be tested first. Then, which assumes some length of time. Right? It's not immediate. You have to observe and decide. Determine whether they are worthy of that office. I will not go on because... It is not edifying for me to talk about what I've seen. But this forces us to ask a question as a church. We are at a, once again, at a unique stage where we could follow the Word of God in building His church or not. Some of you come from good churches, and really, that's a blessing. If your pastors talked about this, preached this, and put this not as a perfection as we talked about last week, but for younger men to aspire to that office, then you are blessed indeed. And how many times churches will not just will skip verse 10? It's a tragic, tragic thing. In the end, good churches will affirm Bible to be the Word of God. And they will talk about 
what the scriptures are, confessions, they will talk about inerrancy or infallibility, and so on. But at the end of the day, if we bypass these verses, it's not good. I don't want to talk about infallibility, inerrancy of all these debates while people ignore this verse. I understand I am not talking to everyone, but I want to emphasize verse 10 so much. And it ends with that promise. Verse 13. Verse 13 ends the section here. There are a couple of verses more to it after this, but we'll talk about that. But as far as the qualifications of an overseer and deacon or deacons, they end with this verse for deacons especially. For those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. That's the promise of God. This section began with a blessing, if you remember last week. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work or good work he desires to do. And it ends with this verse 13, as they just, as Paul just discussed the qualifications for deacons with this blessing. But it strikes me how they, the verse 13, the blessing that is attached to it is not material. It is not an immediate, visible blessings that, that usually people talk about. If you do this, then God will bless your household with much money, health, wealth, and all that stuff, which is not intrinsically bad. But you see how, how simple that is, how that promise is spiritual. Verse 13 is a spiritual blessing that is displayed in front of a church that a carnal mind will not aspire to. Imagine a conversation, pastor to a man in the church. Hey, we need volunteers in our church. We are short of men. I know you are busy, but please consider being a deacon at our church. Somebody has to do it. And you will be on your way to become an elder. It will be good, good for you, and it will be good for our church. Is that a biblical conversation? And if you say that, you will receive two answers. Either, I am too busy. Or, well, okay, I guess. Reluctantly saying yes. But as we have seen today, the office of deacon originates from the Word of God. So does the desire to serve God in this office. God must give you the desire to serve. And it is in some sense supernatural desire. 
Why? Because this office is created for the glory of God. So the people who want to glorify God will volunteer for this office. And any other routes that you will take to encourage people to take this job is not biblical. It is not God-honoring. It is not the way to do a church. Promise is clear. Those who serve well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing, probably in the church and outside of church, and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. While any person, man or woman, young and old, could serve God in this fashion, promise is attached to, the, to this office of deacon, and, and our church, at this stage, we need such officers in this church. This week I pulled out a book that was one of our seminary uh, textbooks for, for deacons. It's an old book, but in chapter 7, he talked about this. The absolute necessity for character qualifications for deacons. And he talked about how those qualifications are really necessary and absolutely central to the proper order, discipline, and behavior of a congregation of Christian people. Did you hear that? It is not simply we need deacons, so we need to develop them and appoint them to such office to function in whatever ministries that we, we ask them to do. But in that guy's mind, properly developing deacons will have an impact on the whole church to an entire congregation of Christian church people because they will see it. You know, as we develop younger men to these offices and as I said last Sunday, as young boys here sitting here today, as they aspire to that office, God will bless them. And it takes a whole church to raise such men from young age because all these qualifications, you cannot develop this overnight. You cannot force yourself to mold that, mold yourself suddenly to fit that description to function in elder office or deacon office. No, it takes a lifetime to develop this. So we must begin young, but at the same time, we are not requiring perfection. Nobody is perfect. That's not what we are talking about. But we need to take these verses seriously as we talk about church and as we do church. And the guy says this, and I will end with his quote. Insist on biblically qualified men for church office. Even if such men take years to develop, complete obedience to God's word is always the best church policy. I think it's a good 
advice. And I could only pray that Christ, who is the head of this church, will inspire men within us to aspire to the office that is described in 1 Timothy 3. And as we pray together as a church, right? we are not talking about which step, what to do, but as we put our minds together to pray for these things to happen in our church, our church needs more structures and we need to develop this church and entire congregation will reap the benefit that will come from those efforts. May God bless this church. Let us pray.